This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Hello and welcome back to Totally Rank. This is our episode for 1988. That's right, everyone. We are almost done with the 80s, which is crazy to think. This has been a wild ride. Um, I'm excited for it to continue. Of course, this is the podcast that puts your opinions in order, and we're going to do that with the songs released in 1988 in this episode. But of course, I can't do this on my own. I need to bring in we're going to call him an expert. We're going to call him the big guns, a heavy hitter. Uh, he is... He's, he's been on the show before. Um, he's, you know, more than proven himself uh, with his knowledge and with his ability to rank songs in particular order. So I had to bring him back. I actually requested to come on to this episode uh, for 1988. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. John Kesselika. John, how's it going, man? God, it's going great. Thank you for that intro. That expertise that you bestowed on me, I, uh, I you know, I'm, I humbly accept. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's been great keeping up with you guys uh, ever since I came on in 81, uh, you know, kind of listening to a lot of different opinions about music throughout the 80s and evolving and talking to, listening to Scott and you, so the two Scots last time. <laughs> in 87, we were really encroaching on some, uh, some, some kind of like a, an interesting era in music in the 80s where I think all of a sudden, there were a lot of different genres hitting at the same time on the charts, and we started to see uh, some different feel, feels em, em, emerging. And I thought this would be what better place to kind of come in and you know chime in again with my takes on 1988. Yeah, I was just thinking how how different it's been since your last episode. Just seven years, but the music is is very different, and we're talking That's about wild. yeah, we're going to be talking about things that that can't wouldn't even be imaginable in 1981 some of the stuff here so it's it's wild how it was only it's only seven years when you look at a calendar but the you know the way that music grew and, and kind of changed and like you said new genres that you know weren't even like we could have rap songs on our list we could not do that conceivably in, in 1981 so without <laughs> I think we had rapture in there we, had, we might have had like, like one sneaking in at some point but yeah yeah, it's, so it's a lot different. So before we get into it, you know, two questions. The first one I think I'm going to ask is, why 1988? You, you after 1987, you messaged me and asked if, if you could be a guest for 1988. Why this year in particular? So 1988 in particular, to me, it felt like a, a year where I was really, really more aware of, of contemporary music, of like the modern song. Obviously, I'd grown up listening to the same songs that my parents would play in the car or at home. And I was familiar with, you know, very mainstream poppy stuff. Uh, my sister's five years older than I am. So that helped with getting me into some other different bands that might not be like on the regular top 40 rate. Uh, 1988 is a time when I think we started to see a little more even of that like college radio scene be really popular. So it's the early legs of like alternative music. You know, REM was kind of just getting their big major label album came out that year. Uh, but also there's some great, it's probably like the height of 80s rock, like hard rock, I think in this year with what dominates the charts. Uh, and, you know, you guys touched on it at the end of 87 with one album that, 
that really kind of sweat, they kind of dominated the year, especially music video wise, uh, that we'll get into in the charts. And uh, that video music awards from 88 is one of the first, I think, yeah, the first one I can remember ever watching on MTV. So all of the videos from this year are really embedded in my brain as like, you know, the the soundtrack of that part. So yeah, 88 felt, uh, felt important to me. And uh, there's some, there's also, it's an interesting year to me because some of the big hits, the big hitters from the eighties we've seen, Prince has an album, but nothing, nothing great coming from it. I try, I strained to get a Prince song on, <laughs> but, but Love Sexy just doesn't have that many, that many bangers from it. And we've got like the tail end of Michael Jackson's bad, but that was really 87. So we don't have as much like some of the big artists we think of aren't really here. So I think there's a lot of fresh blood. Yeah, that's, and that's my, so that's my second question is when you were, looking through doing your research compiling your list was there anything that surprised you without obviously revealing too much about your actual list but were actual list but were you surprised by like oh i didn't realize that this artist had a big year or, or i thought maybe or like you said with prince or i thought maybe my memory says oh this person had a lot of hits but when i looked they had none or was or genre wise were you looking and saying like wow i can't believe this certain type of music would seem so popular when you went back yeah I think I mentioned it to you guys last time. I could have sworn Bad came out later than than 87. So like hearing you guys get those tracks in 87 was like that wasn't 89 or something like like <laughs> like that was surprising to me. Uh the what surprised me in compiling my list was the lack of ballads. I thought I felt like I didn't really there weren't a lot of the usually you have a ballad that's up there that's top of the charts in the in the in the late spring early summer right around prom season or like <laughs> we have different different tracks that take over and i don't think we had as many of those this year just looking through the charts or looking at yeah. some of the releases also one thing i know in my list at least i don't think i would say i would say maybe one of these is what we would consider like a one hit wonder whereas in our early 80s lists we had a lot of those so we're getting a lot more from either established artists or artists who are going to go on and establish them and establish themselves. And these are some of their earliest hits. Yeah. Wow. That's actually, that's really interesting. I didn't even realize that, but yeah, I, you know, there aren't a lot of ballads, right? There's no Ario Speedwagon or air supply or, you know, the, the bands that were really in, like instrumental in bringing those sort of power ballads to light in the early eighties. Yeah. They've mm-hmm. definitely gotten away from that. Um, and the same thing for me, I think, I arguably maybe have one what you could argue is a one hit wonder, but the rest of my list, yeah, are all artists that were very established or went on to to become more established into the nineties. So yeah, that's it's a good observation. So um let's just get into it then. As always, guests goes first. So you can start with your number ten. Of course, if at any point in time you name something and I have it higher, I'll shout that out and vice versa, and we can get to it when it comes up again. Cool. So we'll start at number 10, and it's the album I was referring to when talking about the, the VMAs earlier. Uh, in 1987, it actually came out late late 87, and they had a couple singles from it, but this single uh, off NXX's Kick is my favorite and to me is really kind of a, a genre-defining or like band-defining for them, and that's New Sensation uh, by NXS. Yeah, it's, good. Uh, not on my list, but yeah, very, very good song. Just... Uh, I think the album came out and they started with, they list out some of the rock hits first, you know, as uh, uh, Devil Inside and Need You Tonight came out. But yep. 
New Sensation was this amazing blend of like synth and guitar and just an upbeat message throughout that it's danceable, it's chantable. Like it's just like it fires you up in such a positive way that uh, it's just completely infectious. I can see, I, like, I can't understand why it wasn't the first thing off the album because I love it that much. I think it stands out. Um, I listen back to it now and I've, I've thought this for a while. I've felt this way for a while. I don't think there's a band at the time that sounded like In Excess. I don't think there's a band now or since then that sounds like that. They're that unique in what they put together on Kick. Uh, it's on that album that it's it's really them coming together in their in their real masterpiece. Earlier records they had they had one uh, listen like these was really really rock heavy. They had another that was really dance heavy, and this was the album where they kind of put it all together. And it shows because they went on stadium tours for that entire year. They're one of the biggest bands in the world out of no, you know, kind of out of nowhere here. And all of their songs off this album pretty much charted. Uh, New Sensation, though, is just the, to me, the most danceable, the most catch, the catchiest. And that, that just guitar riff, the ding, 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 that it's, yeah. it's right in you and you're, you're fired up to go. I love New Sensation. Yeah, I, I have to agree with NXS. Like they were such an interesting band and they, they really were unique, right? They really stood out in a time when there were a lot of different genres on the charts and they were doing something completely different, right? Yeah, it, where do you slot them, right? Like I, what, I, what, what are they? Yeah, so it, and, and it's, there's been bands, there have been bands like that, right? Afterwards, like, like a nine inch nails, right? Like what, what, what kind of music is that when you start to break it down and there's bands like that, but yeah, nobody sounded like in excess, certainly at the time. And then mm -hmm. even into, you know, some of their later stuff, obviously still was sounding was just different than what else was going on. Just, a, I, I feel like a band that obviously gets overlooked, you know, because it was unfortunately shorter lived than it should have been. Um, but a band that I feel like doesn't get enough credit, you know, especially during that time frame when there were obviously a lot of hair bands and other bands that were on the map and that were having a ton of success, which bands that I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, as we go on in this episode. But yeah, I, I always, I kind of look back at NXS now and think that they probably don't get the credit that they deserve. Great. Glad you agree. Yeah. Uh, awesome song. Listen to it later. The, if you play the music video online, there's a bit of an intro with strings, but when it kicks in with that synth and guitar, you're, you're hooked. It's awesome. Yeah, no, that's a great, great start to the list here. Um, my number 10, I, I think is similar in the way where I don't know exactly where to put this song, like genre wise. It, it I think it crosses a, a couple different ones. I would say this is the, really the only song on my list that you could consider a one-hit wonder. Like, I know they, they had some other songs that charted and things like that, but I, I, I certainly think this is the song that that people remember them for. And maybe, and if you ask someone to name a song by this band, they're either going to name none or they're going to name this one <laughs> and not be able to name another one. Um, and I, you know, look through my research, it's, I saw that they broke up in, in 92, so it's not like they really had much of a chance after this to, to really follow it up, but Man, I just love the use of a good falsetto. My number 10 is Fine Young Cannibals, She Drives Me Crazy. Wow, all right. Like no one else. Yeah. 
which is just this really interesting sort of fun song like it you can dance to it it's kind of it's danceable like it's got it's got that infectious sort of beat in the chorus you know that she drives mm -hmm. me crazy like no one else part and the, but the verses are kind of funky as well um and you can it keeps you in you're waiting for the chorus of course like a lot of you know songs in the 80s you're kind of waiting to get there but it doesn't lose in the in the the verses the verses are still because of the way they're sung with the falsetto and they're still kind of cool enough where you're you don't lose focus when you're listening i found myself listening to it and kind of enjoying the verses rather than like just yeah let me just get through them so i can get to the chorus and get to the fun part i was actually enjoying the verses too song that just always stood out to me it's just being kind of different in that time um I remember it being in the movie Hitch too, which helps. Like the you know the scene in there when he's in the car with his ex girlfriend, and and this song is playing. So just a song that you can still kind of hear once in a while today. You know, might come on if you're in a store or something like that. So a song that has kind of stood the test of time and is still around um, would be a great song to use in like a commercial. I could see it in an Apple commercial or something like that. So really, just fun song, good song. Started in my honorable mentions, and the more I listened to it, I was like, man, I just I really like this song. It it really just kind of keeps me um keeps me interested and it's kind of infectious to me so i i chose that as my my number 10 it's the way i wanted to kick off my list with something that i felt just put me in a good mood i'm with you two good hooks picking up within excess and that 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 riff of she drives me crazy i could see how it would be in your honorable mention but listening to that a few times it gets in your head and you're like no nah, no nah, this is bubbling up yep. and fine young cannibals yeah a great year for them you know not exactly one hit wonder because they had good thing as well yep two really just poppy poppy songs that you know deserved their spot on the chart and you know i know were popular among my classmates and everything i i, I have no problem with these i didn't broke up in 92 yet makes sense and actually ties in probably parallels to one that i had to leave off that i thought was an 88 but it was actually 87 another kind of two-hit wonder at the time i was looking at midnight oil uh and trying to use any of their tracks they kind of had that that same kind of time same time yeah. of like a shelf life as here uh and, and but their they their album dropped 87 it wasn't able to squeeze them in but yeah fine young cannibals you would have expected to maybe hear some more from them um, yeah. you know it's a shame we didn't get much of a follow-up they definitely had a they had taken that 80s sound but added some some you know some distinct quirks to it like you said per particularly vocally that made it uh that made it really more compelling and you know, it would have been nice to hear more from them, but I'll listen to this track all the time if it's Fine Young Cannibal singing it or the awful Kermit and Miss Piggy cover that came out <laughs> later. Right? Yeah, that won't that won't be on my list when when we get to, to that. <laughs> when we get whatever to whatever two thousand year that was. Yeah, it won't be on my list. But yeah, no, good song, fun song. Um, you know, wanted to represent it, so I'm glad I, I got to. So nice. Number nine for you. Number nine. And number nine, I went to a super group of sorts and, you know, grew up listening to classic rock Beatles, obviously, with with my dad and mom a lot. And uh, I probably didn't appreciate it as much at the time when I was listening to the song that came out. But I liked it. And looking back now to think of all the artists that compiled on this. And that's the, in the late 80s. George Harrison, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, Jeff Flynn, Bob Dylan got together and formed the Traveling Wilburys. Uh, and they had what well, they had one album that they released before Roy Orbison tragically passed at the end of it at the end of this year. Uh, but they put out some killer singles off of it. And my favorite that they did was End of the Line. Uh, End of the Line is this nice little like roundabout song. Each of them gets kind of a verse singing about like, you know how they've come to come to the end, but they're and 
they're happy with their lives and you know, excited for that. Uh, it's really kind of upbeat, but also also a bit of melancholy. And just like all these masters coming together on one kind of jam session like that is 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 perfect. It's a it's a short short song, just like their their time together as a group is really short. It leaves you wishing for like what more we could get. But getting Tom Petty singing alongside Bob Dylan, harmonizing with Jeff Lynn coming in, and and Roy Orbison gets his own verse standalone that is uh, really heartbreaking if you watch the video because he had passed at that time. And instead of him singing, they just have a they have an empty rocking chair with his guitar in it. It's uh, really kind of kind of just touching at that point. Uh, so I love this album. I think you know it's a super group that kind of people don't really think about that much or don't come back to. But if you listen to their first record, I think it's it still holds up, and I'm glad that we got it. And the end of the line is my favorite track off that record. Yeah, it's it's not a song that I'm too familiar with. I'm I'm familiar with the the band, if that's what you want to call it, with the collection. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely familiar with them, but not a song that I'm I'm too familiar with. So I'll definitely have to to give it a listen. But I it is interesting that it's you know looks like it's kind of the last thing that Roy Orbison kind of did right before yeah, one, of, and, one of yeah that and they really posthumously you got it came out the next year yeah, yeah. Which so is I mean huge that's you know that's interesting that that you know that's one of the last kind of things that he did was be a part of this super group and that you know they kind of have that there and what a what a collection of, of people to come together like yeah. at that time like that I mean that is you know I, I can't even put a comparison of like today of, 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 you know, a collection that would come together to, to do something like that. And it's not something you really see much anymore. Right. Everyone, everyone does their own thing and they have their collaborators. Maybe it's one or two people that, you know, kind of collab, yeah. but to see four or five, you know, six different sort of a tier musicians come together like that is a thing of the past. And so it's, it's, I feel like it's always nice when you have it because it's, it was a, a really, a moment in time, right. Where, where mm-hmm. you can say like, Hey, we have all, all of these, you know, temple of the dog and, you know, these different sort of, you know, things that come together and, and leave this legacy behind. And it, it's actually something that I wish happened more often because typically when it's happened, magic, you know, is, is usually yeah. what, what the result is. So. It, it's such an interesting time for the artists involved too. Like George Harrison had just released like his most, like, probably one of his most pop successful solo records for oh, yeah. this year. And then we're less than a year from Tom Petty dropping Full Moon Fever, which just reconnects him as a yeah. as a full blown full blown star. Uh, so right in the middle of that, they come together and do this. It's great. Yeah, and who knows? You know, who knows what that did for Tom Petty as far as if it reinvigorated him and you know the impact that maybe that had on him, sort of making mm-hmm. that that comeback and probably a confidence boost. I would imagine you know putting something like this yeah. out. So. Without it, who knows, you know, what what the fate is of, of of Tom Petty. And so, yeah, no, that's a great choice. Um, definitely something for me to listen to. And if you're listening and you're not too familiar with it, because, you know, sometimes these, these super groups or these sort of one-off projects do get lost if you're not in the know, really. So if it's not something you've listened to, I definitely encourage you to go listen to it. Not just End of the Line. It sounds like, you know, the entire album, I, I would imagine. Hey, give the album a spin. It's, it's, it's a great work. All right, I will move to my number nine, which is not a super group, just a regular group, um, but a song that I, man, you talk about a song that you're 
still going to hear everywhere to this day. You walk into a bar, you go to a sports game, you know, whatever the case may be, this is a song that's really stood the test of time and it still plays and everyone just has a great time with it. Something everyone can sing along to. It's a song that, you know, people's parents like and just a great sort of infectious song from a band that obviously has had an incredible career that was really, um, you know, getting their chance because of what was happening with rock music and hair bands and, and trying to, to keep forward. So I'm just going to say the first line because everyone knows it and it's so fun, but love is like a bomb, baby. Come on, get it on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My number nine is pour some sugar on me by Def Leppard. And nice. it's just, Excellent. it's just fun. Like it, this is just a great fun song to sing. You go to karaoke, you're going to hear, you know, someone doing this, like, uh, just so many fun parts of the song. Obviously, the pour some sugar on me and the name of love is great. The, you know, take a bottle, shake it up. It, like, it's this song's like just great fun lyrics. The, you know, musically, it's it's done very, very well. It, you know, it's, I would imagine it sounded great live, it may still sound great live, who knows? But, you know, it back in, in the day during this time, I'm sure this was, you know, a terrific live song to hear because it's just so much fun and, you know, really just kind of a stadium rock anthem. It has that feel to it, but it's also just one of those fun sort of like she's my cherry pie kind of songs, you know, that it's just like it's yeah. just fun. And you just, you know, if you're on you're hanging out at a barbecue with your friend's dad and he's in his, you know, he's in his 50s. He's probably a Def Leppard, you know, fan. And he's probably playing pour some sugar on me at some point. So I, I get a lot of like barbecue vibes and just kind of hanging out with my best friend and his his stepdad, you know, who would play this type of music. And and I know, you know. Their family was a big Def Leppard fan, so that kind of put me onto it. And then, you know, just listening to their other stuff, of course, but, you know, Pour Some Sugar Got Me just being kind of the most fun of, of their hits. So really great. So I wanted to start my list with it because it is kind of a perfect starter, but I felt like it was overall just a little bit better than Finding Uncannable, so I had to put it ahead. It's it's one that definitely deserves a spot on the list. It was in my honorable mentions as of like three hours ago, and then it bumped <laughs> up to like, it bumped up into into the charts. It actually bumped up into number eight, but I even bumped it higher, Scott. So I got to tell you, this is going to come up on my list higher, but I'm happy to talk about it with you, with you now. You're absolutely right about Pour Some Sugar on Me. It's one of those that uh, just for its staying power, we yeah. you have to respect it. Uh, but it is one of the songs where, and we saw a lot of rock artists kind of taking this where they were incorporate more of that call and response uh, that they had seen be successful, like almost from rap artists and trying to do more of that in. And you have like Joe Elliott going back and forth with, uh, I forget the guitarist name, but they're as, as they're singing along, that mm -hmm. really gives this kind of rhythm to it. That's different from, yeah, the other hard rock and metal and kind of metalish stuff that Def Leppard was famous for, but I think gave it more of a universal appeal in that way that it was just like, almost like interactive, just this awesome song, like the yeah has calling back and everything. Do you take sugar? And everybody gets up for that chorus. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a rouser is what it is. And it just, it's, it's, it's a great track. And I, I couldn't believe when I was going through this one, I was like, honorable mention, come on, get, we gotta, <laughs> we, gotta we gotta give him some help. You know, we, we got, we gotta put him up. So it does come up in my number six, but I'll talk but talking about it here with you is fine. I think, uh, you know, coming back to music videos, not a very impressive video to me, but for some reason, you know, at that point, I remember it dominating the like nightly countdown. Yeah. MTV. It was number one for 
for a month. And, you know, I was like, not really a video, but I think it was more for the song. Def Leppard, similar to NXS, launched this into massive touring. So you can't deny the success of the song and power of it. So uh, great stuff. Uh, really, probably the, the the definitive hit off that album. And like you said, at the end, what it got me to do was go back and explore more Def Leppard stuff, like their yep. older stuff in here. And here, the real like rock stuff that's not as poppy as this, but that was great too. And love, loved that stuff. Yeah, I just I, I saw too that this was VH1 actually ranked this the number two song of the eighties of the number entire eighties. Okay. So of the entire decade, which is I mean that's really saying something um, about this number song. two of the decade, and we've got it in number I, nine or six of a year. Yeah, so <laughs> clearly either we're wrong or VH1 is wrong, which uh, you know I'm not. <laughs> I'll let you guys uh, listening decide who, who's who's right and who's wrong on that. But uh, glad glad to see that you know we already have some crossover. Uh, but you can just keep yours going and and take it away with your number eight. All right, I'll roll into my number eight. And this is the one song on my album, off my list I would probably consider a one hit wonder. Uh, and it's it's one that again kind of grasp stuck with me because of the video. But at the same time, it's just a damn catchy song. And it's very of its time. It's very of late 80s, blending rock, blending horns and whatnot. And it is uh, the Escape Club's Wild Wild West, uh, which <laughs> if if you don't know the song, I'll just say it. Hey, it's the video with the floating arms and like disembodied legs <laughs> uh, and people singing around. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, that right. Heading for the 90s, living in the 80s is what they're singing about. And it's just this infectious funk. She's so mean. I don't care. I'm living in the wild, wild west. I love this song. The horns kick in at a perfect time. There's the gunshots that kind of like punctuate it. And the whole thing is set to this one just continuous snare. Like, it just sets the tone. And it's, and it's, it's, it's an amazing track. It's when you hear it, you get just like you get jazzed up. Uh, you watch the video; it it brings it to another level. I feel, and it's one I was reading about. It, it was like, oh, I think the UK banned the video because they thought it was like not, not torture porn, but it was it was showing like they said disembodied limbs. But I don't know. To me, I was impressed because it's a cool special effect that you have arms floating. I imagine you know, at eight years old, nine years old, I didn't really understand what it meant that like the one set of legs is like rolling down a garter belt but i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that that's just how we're that's just how we're experiencing right there's a random spanish breakdown in the middle where they rap in spanish uh again just for me it's a song that kind of embodies that that anything goes kind of time of this this period of the late 80s where i said where like we said earlier you could be listening to a rap song and and then next would come on a metal song and next would come on, you know, just like uh, almost, you know, just a regular pop classic. Uh, yeah. It was all in there. And this was par for the course. You could find, find the escape of wild, wild web. Yeah. I, I very much remember the music video. Um, <laughs> definitely. And I mean, I, I must have obviously seen this probably in the early to mid nineties, probably saw the music video, you know? Um, mm. Yeah. The video always stood out cause it was just very odd and weird. And, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in a family where big like horror movie fans and it kind of gave me like, sort of like Hellraiser, you know, type vibes <laughs> of just like, yeah, it's just, you know, disembodied 
um, parts. But the, the song itself, too, is just, like, cool. It's just, like, different. Yeah. It's just, like, this cool, different sort of, again, not really anything else like it, you know, that, that was really coming out. So, yeah, that made it. It's always great when a, a video, you know, can kind of get you to listen to the song because maybe otherwise you wouldn't. Like, I could imagine, because it is a very it's a very particular type of song. I could see like if someone's just kind of in the car cruising and it comes on, maybe they change it. Cause they're like, oh, I'm not really sure what this is, but when you have the yeah. video and the video was like captivating. And so you're watching the video and you're not muting it. So, you know, you, then you hear the song and you're like, Oh, you know what? The song's kind of catchy. The song's pretty cool too. So it's always nice when, especially these bands that kind of these one-offs, right. These one hit wonders have, you know, a great music video that goes with a song that really people help, helps people listen to the song who maybe wouldn't have been into it otherwise. And so I think that's yeah. what led to kind of the success of this song, but yeah, not, I, I don't know that I can't tell you anything else that they did. Um, because... I couldn't tell you anything else about it. I thought it, I was like, I was trying to think of what, what like, like if they may, had some ties to, if they were from a different country, but no, they're American and who knows? <laughs> like, there you go. Yeah, you know what? Some, I guess, you know, sometimes these bands just disappear. And yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, I, I, maybe the, one day there'll be, a you know, some sort of documentary or something about what happened to Escape Club. Of, it, of its time, man. You get lyrics, lyrics calling, talking about Ronnie because they're referring to Ronald Reagan. You can't, you can't right. do this. And in, in now, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an encapsulation of that, that period. I think it's great for that. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. That's a great <laughs> shout. Um our number eight could not be more opposite, John. Okay. <laughs> now, from something that's just weird and different and kind of interesting, and like you said, so, something that's that's kind of of its time and doesn't really um, wouldn't really translate today. To me, something that's completely different, um, somber, if you want to call it, something a little bit more real. My number eight is "Fast Car" by Tracy Chapman. Which is an, an amazing song, right? Like such an incredible song. Tracy Chapman, I mean, her her performance on this song and the vocals is, is amazing. Like it's it it's captivating in a completely different sense. Like you're just captivated by her voice and the lyrics of the song, and you really mm-hmm. listen to it. And it it takes it's a story that you're listening to. Um, it's just, it's just so good, and it again just stands out in a time when there's so much hair metal and there's so much, you know, like you said, rock was, was really at the forefront and there's, you know, the beginnings of hip hop and there's just so many things happening to get this sort of just stripped down folky, you know, almost easy, easy listening song. It's just easy, right? It's just Tracy Chapman singing, playing instruments and that's it. But it's just so damn captivating this song and it's so good. And it, it really, it's like when you watch a movie and, you know, you're really captivated. And at the end of it, you go, wow, that was an incredible, incredible journey that I was just on. That's what this song is for me. Like after the song's over, you're just like a weight feels lifted off your shoulders. Cause you're like, all right, wow, I got through it. Like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't know that I feel good because of the song itself, but I also feel good because it's a great song. It's just a kind of an emotional roller coaster of a song for me. But I, I just think that it's, it's one of the coolest songs of, of, of that time. Um, just so different and i knew it had to be on my list probably could even put it a little bit higher but i i, I needed to have it on the list because it really is a great song and tracy chapman's a great artist and ha- has some other really great songs too a great artist yeah and it ranked far higher on my list i will say okay. that uh but i'm happy to chime in to with, with you here as well 
you know, absolutely. Uh, a great singer songwriter can do, can, can go, can or surpass like even whatever glam and everything that's on the charts. And this was proof of it that yeah. like a song with a heart, with a, with a real, uh, with a real story and a real connection, ability to connect with the audience uh, can, can carry that past any of the, you know, you know, fancy videos yeah. or, or, or big stage shows or anything. And that's what this is stripped down. It's really, uh, it's really telling a human, you know, a human tale. And you mentioned feeling like a weight's lifted. I, the, the song to me where it's power, power is, is that, uh, you know, even though it's dealing with a fairly melancholy, you know, story throughout, it has this over resounding feeling of hopefulness uh, mm-hmm. towards the end. That's what I carry from it. And I think that's what makes it such a, that's what led it to stay on the charts. If it was just a downer, it's like, oh, we're, we're sad about things. There's no way. <laughs> this is, this is like, yeah, we're uplifting. We're going to, yeah. you know, push forward and everything and it's you know Tracy Chapman has had a really successful career as a songwriter and singer after probably not as many hits as as she would like but I think she's always been true uh to like her art form and with her song with being able to write her own songs and perform them and I think this is this was such a great entree into her uh and the album itself is great too I said again this my older sister had it and I knew Fast Car but then I would listen to the other songs and listen to talk about a revolution and listen to other tracks and I'm like, wow, there's more to this artist. So uh, it's, it's a, it's a great pick. Again, I, I will, we'll come back to it a little bit later, but I, you know, yeah, it deserves to be on, on any 1988 list in my mind. Agreed. Obviously agreed. Um, <laughs> let's get to uh, our lucky sevens here. Lucky seven. All right. Uh, you know, I talked about at the beginning, how, college radio was kind of really taking off and you started to see even on uh, i think billboard charts they started lifting like college count the college charts uh, along with pop and hot 100 and everything and uh one of the big albums that came rem had a big album that came out that year was the first with warner brothers but another album that came out from really mainstays in college radio and influences for artists down the road were the pixies uh who released uh, boston over that year and their album their album or their song where is my mind came out in 1988 Hmm. and where is my mind is a song that you know people listened to for in in college back then and people were into uh into alternative rock in the early band definitely caught hit of it and a lot of the artists we would listen to in the 90s and into the 2000s definitely listening to this music too because they used it as 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 an influence uh that iconic guitar hook that that just flows throughout the song uh everybody knows anybody who's you know it's it's been taken as almost a shorthand for directors in films of hey i want to show that my character's got like uh you know <laughs> d- debating thoughts in his mind what do i do like how do i do it just play pixies like that uh, <laughs> that i'll show it uh, you know famously used at the end of fight club it's playing over the end for wrestling fans i think it was orange cassie used it as entrance music uh yeah. for a while it's it's a very pixie song. It's not like a hundred percent sounding like anything that everything they do, but I think it blends kind of the best of uh, Black Francis's lyrics. Kim Deal with the with guitar and the backing, and just like that that hook that was written uh, to to carry him through. It's a it's a great track. It it sticks with you to the fact that if that guitar starts up, you automatically you automatically recognize it once you've heard it. You're like ah, oh, pixies. Uh, 
And the Pixies, again, a band that probably people listen to the Pixies now if they're first revisiting, first visiting them. And they'll yeah. often say like, oh, this sounds kind of like, it sounds kind of like Nirvana or it sounds kind of like, like this. Well, yeah, it does because <laughs> the Pixies did it first yeah. and these artists really appreciate it. So uh, oftentimes they don't get as much appreciation as they should. And I think being able to put them in here, it was a, it was a big song at the time. It's remained a big song since. Uh, so for 1988, yeah, one shout out for our college radio standouts, the Pixies. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said. I really influential band, right. That, that mm-hmm. I, I do, you know, I listen to a lot of, you know, music history podcasts and I watch a lot of, you know, YouTube documentaries or whatever. And the Pixies are always one of those bands, right. That comes up, like you said, uh, you know, some of these grunge bands and yeah, some of these bands into the nineties that got really big, always sort of cite the Pixies as a, like a gateway, right. Into, into the music. And so, and Kim Deal, one of those artists that, again, probably doesn't get enough credit, right? Probably, mm-hmm. I would say, underrated um, yeah. for, you know, for all, all the achievements. Um, and just a really cool band. Like, the Pixies are just, they're just a cool band. Like, I, I, you know, can't say I ever really got too into them, right? A little bit young, you know, of course, for me to, to kind of get into them. But, for, you know, what I've heard is I always enjoy, like, I love their song Debaser, like, which came out in, <laughs> like, the mid-90s. But but it was on one of the, like, college football video games that I used to play. And, like, that okay. kind of got me to go back and listen to them and hear some other stuff. And, like, wow, this is, this is cool. Like, it's catchy. It's cool. It's fun. I can... You can hear right, like some of the influences, like you said, like a Nirvana. You can kind of hear some of that in there, um, which is great. Which is, I mean, that's <laughs> you're talking about one of the most successful bands of all time. Um, so yeah, it, it it's great, and they're just all the like everything I've heard from them is enjoyable. Like I've never heard anything where I'm like, yeah, you know, that wasn't, you know, where I didn't really have any where I was kind of lukewarm. Anything I've heard, I've always enjoyed from the Pixies, and so really eclectic. Um, lists that we have going on here and <laughs> yeah a little different. And, and it speaks and, and it's great and it speaks to again where music was in the late 80s and where it was going i think into the early 90s too yeah it's fascinating even if you look down like i was just pulling up the charts kind of week by week to look and see either singles or you know and and there, there are things on there you're like, where does that track come from fitting in with the, re- <laughs> the rest of the stuff around here it's it is an interest just a weird blend yeah, yeah, definitely a a weird year, but a great year, nevertheless, for music. Um, and I think my number seven will reflect that as well. Um, the last episode with, with Scott Criscolo, I talked about, um, I had one of their songs from their big, really, really big album that came out in 88. And I think the biggest song from the album came out in 88. This is a ballad. Yeah, it's definitely a ballad. Um but this is right before they all kind of went their separate ways and started doing different things. My number seven is Can You Stand the Rain by New Edition, which mm-hmm. is like just one of my favorite like R&B love songs. It's just, I, you know, the way that the Ralph Tresvant delivers the lyrics of Sunny Days, Everybody Loves Them, Tell Me Can You Stand the Rain. But then the band bringing in Johnny Gill. Um, just add something to to their album uh, Heartbreak, which is just a huge one of the biggest albums of 1987 1988, and this song is the reason why. Adding Johnny Gill to the band gave them a more mature sound. This isn't Telephone, 
Mr. Telephone Man. This isn't Candy right. Girl, new Candy edition. Girl. Like this is, you know, they're actually, they're, you know, this is what Boys to Men would ultimately kind of become in the early 90s. Like this is, this song is part of the reason why. It's funny, Boys to Men actually took their name from a track off of this Heartbreak album. New Edition oh, really? has a song called Boys to Men. And so when Boys to Men was thinking of their name, they wanted to pay tribute to, to New Edition. Um, but I think this Can You Stand the Rain is one you listen to and you can say, oh, they're, they're doing the harmonizing, like what we know of Boys to Men sort of later on and what they're known for. So, and Johnny Gill just has that, adding him in with his sort of bass vocals in this song and the way that him and Ralph sort of sing it together is, it's just an incredible, incredible love song. It's the perfect middle school, got a crush on a girl and she broke your heart, <laughs> you know, type of song. Uh, and, you know, kind of that end of the road, you know, yeah. type of, of song but this precedes that and you know i th- i'm not saying this is end of the road because that song may, may stand alone on its own as a as a melancholy sort of breakup song but this mm-hmm. can you stand the rain is it to me is sort of an incredible opener to to what we'd eventually get in the 90s from these r&b groups who were pouring out their their hearts and their souls new edition uh-huh. was kind of getting into that with this album and this song certainly reflects that so was this their new edition was this like their last hit before we started seeing all of the spinoffs of of yeah this is this was the last that yeah this was the album and this was like that last big song before ralph tresvant does sensitivity and johnny gill goes solo and bell bib devoe forms and bobby brown right yeah Yeah. wow okay i'm i'm i asked because i'm just really not familiar with it so i've got a this one i gotta crank up after after we log off uh I love the new edition. I know is what you cited. You know, I know that 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 poppy upbeat stuff. But to hear that they, I had no idea they would have a ballad like this, and it's one I'll have to check into. And but for the importance that you cite of it being kind of this mature level of them, and really, if it is their last kind of their last big step before we would see huge success from all of them as separate parts, yeah. uh, that's pretty cool to, to to capture that as well. Yeah, it's a yeah, really great, great just love song, R and B love song sort of ballad. You listen to it, like I said, you're gonna hear a lot of Boys to Man, a lot of Joe to see, a lot of stuff that we'd we'd hear later into the nineties. So this was kind of a you know, a precursor to that. So definitely definitely worth a listen. And just a song that I, I I enjoy it every single time I hear it. You know, some some of those sort of love songs you kind of get sick of over time. You're like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. or you grow up and it because it gives you that sort of middle school feel. You're like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a grown man now. I don't, I can't really relate. But this one is just <laughs> one that I just go back and I appreciate just kind of the vocals and, you know, the way that they really just deliver the song to me is very well done. So definitely worth a listen. Absolutely. Awesome. And I'm a big new edition guy. So, you know, this oh, is my <laughs> last chance to really get them on on a list here. So, you got their revival. They they, yeah. they, did, they out, did they put out anything new for they, that? Or they, was it just no, they did. They put out an album in '96, but it's not not. I mean, you know, not worth anything being in a top ten list. That's for sure. So okay, yeah. Well, speaking of ninety, speaking of '96, we're on number six. So let's get to it. Yeah, and my number six is what we talked about before. It's one that cranked up the charts. Pour some sugar on me. Uh, again, I'll just you know repeat. Such a big hit at the time, and such a such an enduring track that even if, even though it was it started the morning, started a few hours ago, still in my honorable mentions, and it's just too much to to deny uh, of its importance of the in the year, its importance to the band, and its importance to kind of just that sound that arena rock that was still around and, but it was now even more just like, uh, 
don't know. It still existed. We could still have it. That was the big thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it, what again, just to reiterate, like what's great about the song is that it starts up here and it stays up here, right? It never wavers. Oh, yeah. It's right off the right from the very first note all the way through. It's at a 10 out of 10. Like it's cranked up. And sometimes that's just what you want. You don't always want that in every song, but sometimes that's what you need. It's just something that's just on a 10 and keeps you there. And that this song definitely does that. There's a reason it's a sports anthem. There's a reason you can play it in stadiums. Yeah. It's because it's meant to be played at that level. Yeah. And that's a, that's a cool thing. And no, there, there are no punches pulled. It's not trying to, 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 to do anything special. It is just out there. It's a rock. Yeah, that, absolutely. So, yep, good number six. My number six is one of the few songs that could probably rival Pour Some Sugar on Me. Mm-hmm. This is probably very low on my list, and I'm just going to admit that. And this is probably going to rub some people the wrong way, especially when they hear the rest of my list, because the rest of my list is very... Um, it, it's in a very specific genre, I would say. Kind of the rest of my list kind of stays in one in one pocket. This is the last thing that's not like the others. Um, it's probably one of the most recognizable songs of all time. And again, I know that it's low, and I do love the song. I, I, it's a little played out for me, but I can't deny how incredible it is. And that's "Sweet Child of Mine" by Guns N' Roses. I had a feeling. I had a feeling from the preamble that we were getting there, which I'm sure the- is probably higher for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll come to fire, but no, it, hey, I think I'll, I'll let you talk to it. I think I tried to keep it lower too for a while. <laughs> I, let's save it. Let's talk about it when you have it, because I think it deserves to be spoken about later in the episode as a higher tier okay. song. So we can kind of save that since your six was, you didn't really get to talk much about Course and Sugar on me because we already did my six. I'll sort of uh, abstain and, and we'll talk about it later because I think collectively it's probably one or two on most people's list for this year. So. All right. So, we can, uh, we get uh, that. so now we're into the top five, top fives. Yeah. And top fives. It's we're, we'll stick in the same genre as, you know, guns and roses here, but uh, probably one of the lesser respected artists <laughs> or not, not, not thought of as musically at that level, but to me still had their hits. There's a reason they were popular. There's a reason they were able to tour. There's a reason they had uh, and, and big hits. And 1980 was a big year for them. Uh, and that is Poison. <laughs> I go with Poison. Open up and say, ah, it was a huge album for them that year with a lot of hits off it. But to me, probably the the song of theirs that is actually really delivering a narrative and has a great guitar guitar riff to it, guitar solo to it, great Brent Michaels delivery accompanying video is fallen angel by poison um you know just a a perfect like hair metal glam metal idea hey we're gonna tell the story of the small town girl trying to make it big in la (laughs) you know but like she's losing her parents like that it's so heavy-handed with the lyrics at times you know heads you win tails you're gonna lose oh no (laughs) like (laughs) You know, rolling the dice of her life. Oh, wow. Brett Michaels getting really deep. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun song. It's it, it, <laughs> it's 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 as deep as Poison's going to get, probably. <laughs> you know, when, when yeah. you think of some of their songs. But it's fun. It's also just like uh, a great guitar riff. CeCe's got a good solo through it. Uh, 
I, again, I'll come back to remembering the video and Poison were famous for like CC would have seven different guitars switched off during the video. Like you have a yeah. one in one shot, then a green one. But a re- really fun song along the same lines as Pour Some Sugar on Me. But to me, even more fun. Uh, you know, in Poison, yeah, like I said, probably not the most respected of the bands that came out in, not. <laughs> in, in this era. I remember the behind the music of Poison, one of the critics is like, you didn't know a lot of guys who really listened to who own poison. Yeah. poison. Like they're 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 more into the harder rock. And yeah, they were a lighter, friendlier version. But this year, 88, open up and say ah was their big year with nothing but a good time and and unskinny bop. And then especially with to me with Fallen Angel. Uh so yeah. Fallen Angel ranks into my top five. Yeah, it was in my honorable mentions. Um mm-hmm. Actually, several poison songs were in my my honorable mention that just had poison <laughs> pretty much i think chris scolo might have might have had some on his if we had if we had him here this year he might have he might have oh, thrown man. in some poison <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm sure he would have uh but yeah so i i definitely had poison in my honorable mentions like you said huge year for them banner year um just it, yeah I, you know what you're right not not respected that like people don't look back at them fondly um Brett Michaels, like, you know, Rock of Love and stuff doesn't do it any favors, right? Like, yeah, they're I mean, they're arguably the poppiest of those of yeah. those metal bands. Like they're, they they made no bones about like, we don't care. We're we're we're, we're just going to write like catchy songs. I was going to say, they we're, not write, catchy songs, we're not they writing wanted... for the sake, like hard rock. We're just want to write catchy songs. Look, they're yeah. not trying to win Grammys, right? They're tr- they just want to be on the charts. They want to get girls and, you know, yeah. hey. To each their own. It, 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 I'm sure it worked. As far as yeah. I mean, it worked on the charts. They, I mean, they were all over the charts. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure if if what we know about Brett Michaels, if what Brett Michaels says about himself is true, then it also worked, <laughs> and he got a lot of women, and you know, ha- had nothing but a good time, right? So exactly, you know, good, good for them. Uh, yeah, they were my honorable mentions, particularly "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," um, because I mean, that's one of, if not their most well known song which is also just you know a fun good song i you know i don't change it when it comes on like i don't seek it out but that's poison right i don't seek out poison but if if i'm listening to a playlist and poison's on it then i'll 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 keep it on i i'm I'm not going to shy away from it exactly but i agree yeah fallen angel (laughs) like just yeah like you said something deep but in such a just sort of fun way that you don't even necessarily they sneak it in right it's, you know it's yeah. it's almost it's almost subliminal <laughs> in the sense that you may not even realize it cuz you're just kind of having a good time listening to the song and then you kind of realize oh they are actually talking about something profound and yeah i think brett michaels tried to say it was you know fairly biographical cuz you know they came from pennsylvania moved to <laughs> la you know so it's for all those kids like all right sure. Brett, thank you <laughs> yeah it's a good song Brett. you don't need to <laughs> yeah 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 you don't need to pencil it in so cool yeah no it's a good way to start off our our top fives um my number five is interesting because we just we were just talking about new edition my number five is from one of those spin-offs if you will um part of the reason johnny gill was in new edition and could add his vocals to can you stand the rain is because bobby brown left new edition to do his own thing and become a superstar and 1988 was a huge banner year for bobby brown as well um my choice here might be surprising there's certainly another one in my honorable mentions that was the bigger song that people remember but my number five is don't be cruel uh by bobby brown which is my favorite bobby brown song 
I just love the the mix of of singing and and rapping like that he does in this song. It's like what you would get twenty years later from like Chris Brown, like Bobby mm-hmm. Brown was doing it, you know, in nineteen eighty eight. Just kind of that back and forth, but he was doing it right before Bell Bib DeVoe started doing it. And they Poison by Bell Bib DeVoe is kind of you know singing and rapping, mixing it together. But Bobby Brown does it well on Don't Be Cruel. I actually think he he raps pretty well um, for someone who. You could tell probably never really rapped before. He was kind of just more right. talking, but it actually doesn't come off that way. I actually think he, he delivers it pretty well. And the singing parts sound great. I love the way the song just starts. Um, and it's just a really great, like it's catchy all the way because of the raps. Each each verse you get them singing and then it breaks down into a rap and then you get to the don't be cruel part. I just, oh, I've always loved this song. This is a song that like, if I had to perform something and I wanted to show off singing and rapping, this is a song that I would go to because it's, it's just, a, to me, a really good balance. There's a lot of songs that do it, and sometimes the singing sounds way better or the rapping sounds way better. This one, I feel like, mm-hmm. is almost a 50-50 split of both. Like, I I, I like enjoy both parts. If it was just the song and he just sang it, I'd like it. If he just rapped it, I'd still like it. The fact that he did both of them is why I love it. So it's my number five. That's great. Uh, you know, similar to how you said you had Poison, it just in your honorable mention, I had my honorable mention, it just said Bobby Brown. Yep. Uh, you know, and... I, I I I tried to try to find a way to to get him in the list, you know. Just I think uh, to to even just mix up the genres a little bit, but uh, a huge year, like you said. And uh, I think this was uh, of the new edition. Yeah, Bill Bibbobo was great, but to me, Bobby Brown was obviously the bigger star from from the whole thing. And in yeah. this in this year in this record, really shows it. Uh, I love the point you made about that, just like how this this stands out from the other songs and, and why you would like it because of the bounce back between the rap and vocal. And yeah, that that does kind of separate it out and uh, make it make it even more of a unique song and really a good introduction or proof that like proof of concept that, hey, Bobby could do this on his own. It, it wasn't necessary to be a part. So if anything, this Don't Be Cruel and the other tracks and then my prerogative from that, you're really just kind of you know, yep. asserted that, okay, this is going to work. Yeah, Don't Be Cruel was the, not. I mean, the name of the album in the first, this was his first release. Yeah. So this is the first taste of, hey, Bobby Brown is a solo artist. And then this did so well that My Prerogative also came out a few months after, and those were the two from 88. And it was just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like strapping the rocket to a guy, right? It's a wrestling turn, yeah. like, you know, the big major push. That's what this was. It was like, okay, this is it. And now it's off to superstardom. Yeah, it was just like, okay, he can do it. Good, let's go. And, and again, just, sure did. yeah, d- disclaimer to any listeners, this is just about the music. It's not about the person, you know, it's not about things that happen later on in life. This is about 1988 and the songs that came out in 1988. And there's no denying that Bobby Brown's songs in 1988 were great. Mm-hmm. So, throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> so that's my number five. I, I just always love this song. And John, don't worry about not having a certain genre represented on your list, like I said, because all, all the rest of mine are, are kind of in that, in that area. So. Cool. So at number four, huh? Number four already, yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, I had that, that, that opening riff for In Excess, which kicks off the opening riff in in Where Is My Mind that's memorable. All right, so, yeah, number four, uh, some of like the memorable guitar riffs that I've had on here are just hooks to songs in excess was a great one. The Pixies, that memorable hook to me, if Vernon Reed from living color wrote 
any, didn't never wrote anything else aside from the guitar hook he wrote for the beginning of Cult of Personality. Uh, he would be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already. And that's my number four is Cult of Personality, Living Color. It's a song that another one that we say, like I, I, I keep coming back to, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but it kind of stands by itself alongside what else is on the radio. Even if we're listening to Poison or listening to Guns N' Roses, yeah, they're guitar-driven rock, but not like this. Not with lyrics that are kind of politically driven, obviously, echo, you know, echoing uh, leaders from the past and, and you know, calling into the like weird duality of, of political ideals. Not with a group of, you know, people of color playing the song and playing yeah. hard rock and metal in this, I think goes a long way in that way, too. Uh, in in its in its uniqueness, uh, it's the the vocal is delivered awesome. Uh, the 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 guitar riff and solo both stand out. I think they're ranked usually higher if you look at any of those VH1 lists or anything. Uh, and then you know again a fairly memorable video, which is pretty much just their performance, but cut in with clips of you know political leaders being mobbed yeah. by by people in black and white. It is. Uh, an awesome song and it stands alone to this day. I think they just did a remastered version. Uh, they've had other hits. Living Color are a really good hard rock band. Listen to their other stuff if you can, but this was their big hit that made it through and there's a reason it still plays today and you hit that initial that opening riff and everybody knows what's coming. Yeah, this is an instantly recognizable song. Instantly mm-hmm. recognizable. Um, you hit the nail on the head like this song is unique for diff- a lot of different reasons. One is the fact that it's, it, you know, it, like it's a group of colored, you know, individuals like doing hard rock. Wait, what? <laughs> when you're, when you're looking at band, you know, rock bands at the time and they've all got the long hair, everybody looks like Brett Michaels, you know, or Axl Rose or John Bon Jovi, like, and, you know, and then you see living color that stands out completely. Right. The fact that, yeah, they're just doing things that, that nobody else was doing. And then you listen to the song. Yeah. Just to, to have your lyrics, you know, around Mussolini and Kennedy and, and yeah, like Joseph Stalin and all the, all the different shout outs in there at a time when like, that wasn't always the easiest thing to do. There was a lot of, you know, um, it's, I mean, 1988, I mean, there's a ton of stuff going on, you know, 89, the wall comes down and like, you know what I mean? So there's, this is right in a time where it's a little bit taboo maybe to bring the, the, political landscape into you know pop culture if you will right but they put this song out and it's just got these really interesting lyrics that you're like i think i need to listen to that again i may have missed something the first time around you know i may have missed one of the things that they're saying here so i mean that was incredible and very very different not just singing about you know pour some sugar on me or nothing but a good time where it's just (laughs) like partying and, and good you know this actually had a lot of substance to it and yet it's it's over one of the greatest like guitar riffs and one of just one of the greatest I think single songs and like when you put a band together all the instruments and everything they did together this is like the perfect concoction of of a backing track like for a song it's it's amazing it's incredible so good obviously you know us wrestling fans know that this this song has even more meaning to it and and it had a new life in 2011 and has continued to sort of breathe since then um, yeah. it, you know, just heard it the other night, right. And at the Royal Rumble and it was like, <laughs> I enjoy this just as much now as I did the first time I heard it. So it, it's, it's, it's a great song. It's not going anywhere. Um, and it is, 
one of those again songs that you're like oh let me see what else they have and then you go and you listen to more of their stuff and realize that like you said they're a really good band like they this is a, an extremely talented group of individuals uh in this band that put out some really really good music so that's a i mean that's a great shout makes complete sense to be in the top five has double meaning for a lot of the people listening to this so yeah no no qualms about that whatsoever uh my number four um you mentioned uh you know there was an album in 1987 called bad that scott and i talked about a lot on the last episode of course um bad had some singles that bled into 88 89 that's why I think, you know, when you think about Bad, it's like, well, they were still they were still playing songs from Bad when Dangerous came out. Like Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, they stretched them out at that time. They would release singles over two, three years. Like it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> um the, one of the singles or yeah, one of the singles from Bad is w- one that I mean Michael let's Michael Jackson again, it, it's hard to separate sometimes the music video from the song. So many of his his singles just had the classic iconic music videos that you remember, especially around this time, the bad music video. Um, you know, the stuff when dangerous comes, those have a ton of of music videos that are that are incredible. The way you make me feel, people remember that video. And and mm-hmm. this is a song that didn't necessarily need um a big music video. The music video is just him performing the song which is a lot of videos at the time actually did that as well. Um, but that's all this is. And that's all it needed because the song is just so gritty and just so different, a little bit sort of badass for Michael Jackson at the time, which is apropos for it to be on the bad album, because I think it gave him a little bit more of an edge um, that he didn't have maybe previously. So my number four is dirty Diana uh, by Michael Jackson from bad, which is, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. I, I just, I love it. You, again, you talk about a song that tells a story all the way through, mm-hmm. you know, about this this groupie, if you will, or, you know, whatever term you want to use to describe Diana. But you're listening to every verse so intently because you want to hear what happens next, you know. Yeah. And then when a the song ends, you're almost waiting for a sequel. You're almost like, well, I, I wish there was more of this. You know, I wish he had come out with a, you know, a part two, uh, you know, down the line to kind of continue on with this character. That you know, it's similar in the way of Billy Jean, where it creates this character that you want to hear more about. Diana is very similar, right? You want to listen to more about it, but the way that he delivers his song, just with that sort of grittiness to to him, and a different side of Michael that you know was very different than what we were hearing from anything on Thriller. Um, you know, sounded even different than the singles from Bad that preceded Dirty Diana. This just sounded a little bit different. This was, you know, this gave him that rock edge and kind of introduced yeah. him to a new, a newer audience. And now it's like, well, you've got the people who like R and B. You know, you've got the the off the wall fans. Now you've got your sort of pop fans from Thriller and everything that was doing. Now you're bringing in fans of rock music because you have those elements. This was really a way for him to say, "Listen, I'm taking over every single genre. I uh, I'm not only going to own the pop and the R and B charts. I can get on the rock charts as well." And Dirty Diana is a song that allows him to do that. I just love this song. If, if for some reason you're not familiar with this song, go listen to it. It's it's incredible. Like it's it's just extremely well done. There's different parts of the song that are just fun. It's, you know, the Dirty Diana, but the different bridges and the hooks and just the, the song is just, it's really fun to sing along to. It's a great listen. One of my all-time favorites. Knew it would be high on my list and it landed at number four for me. It, it's in my honorable mentions. It's heavy in the rotation on the 88 playlist I prepared while I was like trying, trying to listen yeah. and sort through these. Uh, what a, what a refreshing take from the king of pop, right? 
to yeah. hear the, the, that, that title of King of Pop, to hear the legs that he has to, to be able to get into a rock genre like this. Uh, you mentioned the performance. There's an anguish in his voice and his delivery over like the stress of dealing with this groupie like coming after him it's it's really really dramatic uh yeah. in the way this song is which which is lends just such a level of gravitas to the song that i think makes it so powerful with that guitar going with the subdued like you know kind of brings it down during the verses as we're yeah. kind of like he's like catching his breath almost like like in those parts before Boom, here we go again at that rocking up hook in Dirty Diana on the chorus. I love this track. It makes you wonder as a fan of like, what would a full Michael Jackson rock album sound like? I would want to hear that. Yep. Uh, and and it's a shame we didn't get a lot of it. I think at the same time, like it's like when Janet did Black Cat and that was, you know, oh, yep. okay, they can do like, they, 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 they can expand out into that rock. And I wish we got more of it. I love this track. I would have no problem seeing it in any top 10 or even top five. Great. Yeah. Great. Glad, yeah. Glad you, <laughs> you feel that way. It, it un, Somehow, you know, I mean, not somehow, I guess, cause he has so many, but an underrated song of his and, yeah. you know, I put this up against most Michael Jackson songs and, and it's going to take the win for me. So. It's tough on those underratings when you're like, Oh man, it's only his, it's only his like twenty fifth best song, but then you're like, well, look at the twenty four before. It. <laughs> exactly, right, exactly. So yeah, really hard <laughs> to sort of to place this one, but uh, yeah. that's going to bring us to our our top three. I mean, we know what one of yours is, but I'm definitely interested to hear what your other ones are. My top three, number three is Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, which okay. we've expanded on, and I think is uh, it, it it deserves its place up here because of uh, you know it's it's staying power, it's it's uh it's story it's it's performance that is so heartfelt the stripped down uh acoustics and all of that to make it really uh just one one of the most enduring songs from that era the fact and we didn't even touch on this the fact that it took on new life last year and being performed uh by a male country artist and and they showed it the respect that it deserved that it didn't change lyrics didn't change the Mm -hmm. structure of it or anything that shows you how important this song was, how good this song was. That it was like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, there was some talk of like, do you change the gender or the artist? But it was like, no, the song is what the song is. We're yep. singing it here. And yeah, it, so it's good on its own. Yeah, there's no reason yeah. to, don't don't break it, right? If it's not broken, yeah, don't break it. Uh, yep. Yeah, great song. Deserves to be in the top three, absolutely. Um, my number three, you could say maybe doesn't deserve to be in the top three, but for some <laughs> reason, I just love this song. It's just so catchy to me, so infectious. Um, this is one of the songs I, I it immediately comes to mind when I think of 1988, 1989, because it came out in 88, bled over, dominated the charts from an artist who absolutely dominated 88, 89 into 90 um, with the album Forever Your Girl. Um, but I just absolutely wow. love this song. The way this song comes in, dun 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 dun. My number three, uh, straight up by Paul Abdul. Absolutely love this song. I think it's one of the most underrated uh, pop songs of all time. I think it's right up there with what you know Janet was doing at the time, what some of the other artists were doing in the late '80s. I mean, this was a time when this is right after sort of. Debbie Gibson, Tiffany, and this was Madonna was a little bit on on a break here, right? So there was a, there was mm-hmm. a 
there was a space, right? It was kind of Janet. Whitney was just starting to to put out some hits a couple years prior, but there was a space for someone to come in and kind of almost take the Michael Jackson role, but from the female perspective. And I think Paula Abdul came came in and did that with her Forever Your Girl album. Yeah, uh, you could call her the queen of pop. I would say from '88 to '90 because she was just cranking out the hits. They were catchy. They all had really fun, cool music videos. I mean, I think about the opposite to track video. You know, where she's dancing <laughs> with the little the dog and the puppet or whatever. And MC you know, Scat Cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the videos were 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 great and fun. The songs were catchy. Everything you were looking for for pop in that time. And I just think Straight Up is just a really fun song. Everybody knows this song. Everybody knows the chorus of this song. Straight up now, tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Or am I just a hit and run? Everybody knows that part. But the you verses are fun. Oh, oh, the oh, oh, oh. It's like everybody can, like, it doesn't matter who you are, you sing along to that part, whether you admit it or not, when that, you know, mm-hmm. when this song comes on. And that's, to me, that's the mark of a great pop song. Is it incredible? No. Are the lyrics like profound? Is this a U2 song? No, not by any means. Like, this is easy, it's simple, but you know what? Sometimes that's all you need. And it gets the job done, has a great beat to it. It's easy to sing along to. It's catchy as hell. And it's my number three. I love it. I love it. I think yeah, I probably associate Paula more with that 89. Like you said, yep. it kind of bled over into it. But uh, for for an introductory single to to an artist, like what way to start uh, yeah. for Paula? You know, like you, you're off to, again, similar to Bobby Brown, you're off to the races with something like this. Yep. Uh, and, you know, incorporating dan- obviously a talented dancer. So able to incorporate that along with along with the singing and just pop hooks. Uh, it's it's a it's a great track. I yeah, good job, Paula Abdul. <laughs> yeah, you get, that's the thing. You know, you think of her as a dancer and you know American Idol judge, and I think you know she doesn't get the credit that she deserves, in my opinion, for for that 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 first album, Forever Your Girl, is is really well done. I like how you put it though, kind of like bridging the gap. Yeah, we had the mall rock idols there. Madonna's still working on True Blue, I think, or living yeah. up for, or like a like a prayer's about to come out. Exactly. Uh, in yeah. 89. So we need something in there. Belinda Carlisle. We, we, we don't have enough Belinda Carlisle. So here we go. <laughs> okay. We got, yeah. I mean, but look at the list from 89R or 88. We don't have any real pop women on here. Our, the women we've had has been Tracy Chapman doing more folksy stuff, or even in my yeah. honorable mentions, the only other female artist I have is doing more folksy stuff. So to have, we needed someone to take that take up that mantle for female pop stars here and Paul Abdul does. Yeah, absolutely. And the result is my top three, which I know <laughs> is crazy. People are going to be like, you have straight up over sweet child of mine, but you know what? Sometimes these lists just come down to, you know, what, what you remember. Right. And I just remember hearing this song as a kid and just being like, this song is just so cool. And that this straight yeah. up is just always kind of stuck with me. So that's my number three. Well, listen, they may give you grief for having straight up over sweet child of mine. We'll hear things. I'll hear things for, for, for backing poison and all their makeup wearing. <laughs> and I know, I know having something in my top two at number two here is just going to be chirping on the like lame Jersey guy who's just going with his home field and their <laughs> real poppy stuff. Not that hard rock, but Scott, Chris Cole mentioned it last time that New Jersey, the album came out late 87 into 88. Probably one of the most, one of the biggest, like fr- best front to back, like arena rock, hard rock albums that came out in that era. And Bon Jovi in 1988 released Bad Medicine, which is uh, to me like the 
ultimate rock track that Bon Jovi did. They've had pop hits with Living on a Prayer. They've had the ballads with Wanted Dead or Alive. But when you think of something that is just like a straight up rock and roll song and can play to the arena, can have everybody chiming in on the chorus, has keyboards in it that carry it through, has a boldest breakdown. And then even that lack, that, that hanging on at the end where they're holding onto the chords and they're like, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to reprise the chorus again. And it comes back even louder. It's so awesome seeing it live. It's so awesome hearing it on the radio. Uh, Bad Medicine by Bon Jovi is my, is, it's my favorite Bon Jovi song, which I know probably gets people to say even that's weird, but I love the song and it's number two for 88 on Bon Jovi's Bad Medicine. Yeah. I mean, that that is saying a lot. Obviously, living on a prayer was my number one, um, you know, on, on that <laughs> list. But I mean, yeah, it's it is a great song. It, it and and you're right. It was a song that like coming off of slippery when wet. It was almost like, man, how can they possibly top that? Right. It's 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 almost similar to like Thriller and Bad, where you're like, man, how can you how can Michael top Thriller? And then he puts out Bad, and you're like, oh, okay, all right, maybe you know, maybe you didn't top it, but this is equally almost as great it's like the same thing with new jersey right it's kind of like slippery when wet was just so successful and then new jersey comes out and bad medicine is it's a great rock song i do actually think it's funny i i think it's a really big song people know it i do think it actually gets lost a little bit in this year behind like a sweet child of mine and behind a poison and behind like behind death leopard um and because again some people don't think it's smiley it's smiley Smiley john bon jovi out front instead of axel and slash like yeah right exactly yeah and then i think right after this is i'll be there for you right so i mean it's they you know that that's the other thing then you're like oh bon jovi it's rock but it's you know it's i'll be there for you or it you know so my girlfriend will listen to it with it yeah it's it's kind of it's similar to, to poison right where it's like maybe not a lot of guys were out there admitting that they were listening to bon jovi you know, at the time, but you're right. Bad medicine is like, if you took Bon Jovi away from it, if you told, like, if someone didn't know it was Bon Jovi and they just listened to it, be like, Oh, this is, this is a, you know, a respectable rock song, right? Like this is, this is a rock song. I enjoy it. I dig it. You're right. And it's catchy. Like most of Bon Jovi songs, it's, you know, (laughs) it's catchy. Like it, it great song. I have no issue with that being, being high on your list. I, I think it's a great rock song. And I do think it is a song that, that probably gets overlooked a little bit, especially in 1988 with all these other sort of iconic rock songs that were that were coming out. We went to see Bon Jovi in 2000, 2000, 2000 probably, right when Crush was coming out. Yeah. They had just released It's My Life uh, and it was, it was taking off and they were about to go on their tour. Their tour was starting. They weren't sure how big the album was going to be. So the tour started in overseas. You know, they're like, we always sure. have fans. Right. So I live in New Jersey. They said, before we go, we're going to play a small gig. And they played at Asbury Park. And I went to that. And Asbury Park Adventure Center is a tiny venue, almost like a high school gym size. And seeing Bon Jovi play in that, in that like size venue, uh, you know, and we're up front, they're playing bad medicine. And we're up closer screaming. My buddy and I are screaming, like, play it again. Play <laughs> it again. And they're holding out the last note. And bon jo- John Bon Jovi goes, he's like, you want to hear it again? And they broke into the chorus. They broke into the chorus again. And it was just like, yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's the thing. Like, you have a personal connection to the song, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's 
it's hard to top something like that. Like all these songs are great, but when you add a personal connection to it like that, I mean, that's a memory. That's incredible. That's a great story to hear. I mean, I'm surprised it's not your number one based on the fact that you had, you know, that you had that experience. So no, that's yeah. incredible. That's, that's awesome. And listen, don't worry about catching any flack from people for, you know, for picking your guy, you know, your, your hometown hero and, you know, kind of your, every, every person has, those artists that's like hey that's my those are my that's my guy that's my girl those are my people and you're mm -hmm. just gonna stay true i'm doing the same thing with my number two like right. i talked about this in the 83 episode in the 84 episode in the 87 episode michael jackson's my guy that's who i grew up listening to that's my idol that is the my first memories of music are watching michael jackson videos and trying to dance to them when i'm three four years old so that's always my go-to and that's what i go back to it may not be the best for a list it may not be the best for diversity it may not be the best for a podcast to continue talking about him but in 1988 smooth criminal came out and that's my number two because smooth criminal wow. by michael jackson is an experience it's not just a song it's an experience it's one of his short films i remember watching the you know however long it is way longer than it should be for a kid with a little attention span but to actually sit there and watch the entire short film play out to get into the song itself just when the song opens you're hooked you are absolutely hooked as soon as you hear that and then you get the rest of that song the annie are you okay his falsetto towards the end of the song that you've been hit by a smooth criminal like that song is just so catchy it's so fun you add the music video that's you know kind of that 1920s sort of gangster he's got the classic white suit with the blue undershirt and the white fedora uh it's and he the dancing on, on the floor there and he's got the gravity lean in the video like everything about smooth criminal to me is just a joyous experience no i i you know i didn't see it live in person or anything like that i don't have that connection to it but i have the connection of just trying to emulate everything that i saw and everything that i heard over and over again from that song i it's, mm -hmm. it's again one of to me one of my it's one of my absolute favorite michael jackson songs one of i think one of his best just overall when you mix song and video to me they're both immaculate and i wouldn't change a thing i don't care about alien at farm i don't want to hear it <laughs> this is the superior version it's not even an argument uh, everything about this I love. So Michael Jackson, Smooth Criminal, my number two. Such a quiet performance in it, right? But then, yeah. but then, it, but then erupts. Uh, it's it is great. Uh, you know, like you said, you've got your favorites, Michael Michael Jackson. Uh, I prefer like the more of the rock stuff, but I love this song too. I think it's a it's a great choice, and it, it sticks out as as being really unique, even to his his other his other songs. Yep. It is more, uh, it, it is more sub not subdued, but just almost like sinister in a way at yeah. times. Oh, like yeah. It's got some, some, some like mystery to it. Uh, how did it chart? Did this do well? Smooth yeah. criminal or? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Can't, yeah. I can't recall if it did. I mean, to be fair, there's a curve with Michael, right? Cause everything he did <laughs> pretty much charted. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, yeah. Uh, smooth criminal did very, very well. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you know, and like you said, visually, boom, visually, the white suit. You all know exactly what we're talking about. The lean over dance, uh, like you get, get a video game made from it for Moonwalker. So, yeah. <laughs> when I when we did eighty one, I talked about Journey, and they, they they had a video game made made for their album. So we've, we've come full circle. And we've got another we, artist with a video game here. <laughs> we video have. Game. We certainly we'll have. have. To see, but I'll try to make sure I can come on in years when we have artists that. 
that get games made out. <laughs> it, yeah, it might be. Let's see. Uh, yeah, well, we could talk about. I mean, Run DMC. They had that Def Jam game. Yeah, we'll, we'll be able to. Aerosmith had to shoot him up, right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'll bring you out for '98, so you can do. Don't want to miss a thing. For All right. Aerosmith. Um, but yeah, let's. Uh, you know, I think if you've been listening along, you probably know what John's number one is, but we didn't really get a chance to go into it. So let's go ahead. Yeah. So and like I said, when you brought it up, I was like, I know it's got to be on the list when I when I when I was making it. I was, yeah. No, I know it has to, definitely has. To. And it's the song that actually overtook Def Leppard on that video countdown. It was always number two and then eventually became number one. And it's Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. Uh, to me, the song is like you can't. You can't look at the year without this song. No, you can't, you can't. You can't consider the evolution even of like rock music at that time without this song. Uh, it's it's that important. You know, Welcome to the Jungle gave us that kind of wake up call and introduction to Guns N' Roses as to, whoa, whatever you thought about yeah. rock metal, like change it right now because these guys <laughs> are doing something different. And then they took this, which I know I, I was even listening to it. Was like, ah, and, you know, people probably think of it as more of a ballad, but dude, it is a rock song. Yeah. And they, it's interesting uh, the place where it is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a yeah. slow word, but it's, yeah, it's still, yeah. It, it rocks. It's, it's in that vein. It could have easily gone balladish, but they just took it and put some balls in it that it is just, yeah. It's still, it, 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 it's, it's a great track. It's, 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 it was like to me, I was, as I was putting it together, I was like, it just has to be number one. I was like, "Sorry, Bob Dylan. Like, <laughs> like yeah, this is this is more influential. This is more of a, more of a lasting song, even and just uh, you know, just a memorable track from that era. You know, is "Sweet Child of Mine" uh, cemented their sp- space on the map? If "Welcome to the Jungle" didn't do it enough, like this just was. Yeah. Nah. Here they are. Put them. Put them at the top of every bill. Yeah, we'll wait for you to release. A, oh, you want to put out a double album? That's what you want to do? Sure, we'll wait. We're we're, we're ready because we <laughs> want to hear, it. right? Right? You know. And you're oh, you're going to indulge in all these weird uh, kind of like things in your music videos, try to tell us stories. Not sure. It's cool because the music, <laughs> uh, the, you know, that like backs it up, and we and we as an audience just value that, and they yeah. they show themselves as a fully functioning unit here. Guitar, like with with between between Duff, Izzy, Slash, and Axel, then carrying the front, like full full on like leading man here. Uh, it's it's an excellent song. It's 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 my number one without a doubt. Yeah, this this like you said, this launched them into the stratosphere. Like they were already huge after you know some of the other stuff, but this put them on that like that U two level almost of like. They can do no wrong. And like you said, we're gonna we're gonna go along with whatever you wherever you want to take us. We're gonna go <laughs> along for the ride because of this song. Like we may not like it, <laughs> we we may regret it, but <laughs> we're on board because of Sweet Child of Mine. I mean, it's everyone knows this song. Again, instantly recognizable from the moment it comes on. The you know, people love to sing along to it. You got the stepbrother scene, which just makes it even even cooler <laughs> in my eyes. Like th- this this is the ultimate, like this song can do no wrong. This kind of has something for everyone in there. Like you said, it is rock, but it is a little bit slower and a little bit softer. Like everyone loves to sing, try to emulate Axel on the, you know, on the sweet child of mine. And yeah, it's just almost, it's like a perfect song in a sense. Like it really, this is not something that you, 
I, I don't know that I would change anything about this song. It's, it's perfect. And it's ultimate for me. Like if, it, if I'm listening to a playlist and this one comes on, I'm like, you know what? It's a little bit long, but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm ready for it. And I have a smile on my face while listening to it because that's the kind of reaction that it gives me. So it, that should be number one on a list for 1988. Hell, this could be, this could be number one on a list for the entire decade, honestly. Like this is a strong contender for song of the yeah. decade. I said that about Absolutely. living on a prayer and I've said that about a couple other songs. I think this is a contender for song of the decade. And I haven't decided if I'm going to do an episode of that yet, but if I do this, I mean, this is going to be on the list and because it, it really is that big of a song and that incredible of a song. So terrific. Number one makes sense that only this could really trump your, your Bon Jovi love. So, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, well, well, perfect perfect choice um Thanks. my number one is probably not a surprise but maybe a surprise um because it's another michael jackson song from 1988 go figure i have michael three of my four spots i promise you listeners there won't be as much michael jackson going forward i will have some songs from dangerous on my my list for 90 and 91 most likely um but it i promise you things are going to slow down but you know what in 1988 could do no wrong. Uh, I was recently on a uh, podcast, shout out to the Boozy Bracketology podcast, and we actually did a bracket of Michael Jackson songs. And this was, spoiler alert, the song that I went most hard for to win the entire bracket. I'm not going to say whether or not it did, but this was the one that I really put on my back and tried to carry to number one because I feel that passionate about it. And that's Man in the Mirror, which I think is just one of the most passionate songs I've ever heard. And it's interesting because Michael didn't write the song. It was written and he got it and then just kind of took it to a different level. But just the way that this song is sung with so much compassion in his voice. And this is more than just a song. Like this is a plea to people to really take a look at yourself and, and ask yourself, is this the best version of myself? Is, you know, is there more that I can be doing? That's what Man in the Mirror is. It's more than a song. To me, it's a message. And I think it's an incredible message everyone can relate to. It's a song that talks about and deals with issues that are still happening today, unfortunately. You know, this song could come out today and people would say, oh, yep, well, it makes sense that we're talking about these issues. There's still poverty. There's still child hunger. There's still all of these things that are happening in the world, you know, that he was singing about, you know, now what, almost 30 years ago um, or, you know, over. So it's... To me, it's incredible. Like, it's the way he's on. Everyone knows the going to make a change for once in my life. And everyone knows the chorus of this song. And it's so easy to sing along to because you actually believe what you're singing because it has substance. It's, you know, we talk about a song like Fast Car that's very profound and has a great message. Well, Man in the Mirror has that, too. But it also has the gravitas of being Michael Jackson, right, on top of it. And also not really sounding like any. Thing else on bad bad is a little bit of a grittier album of his right it's putting out your dirty dianas and your smooth criminals and bads and then you get this sort of well i also need to use this platform to yes i'm the king of pop i could probably take over the rock charts if i wanted to but i also want to use this platform to try to initiate change and the fact that an artist of that caliber even to say he didn't have to do that. Like that, it, it doesn't. It's Michael Jackson at this point. He's bulletproof. He could put out crap, and people would have still bought it, would have still enjoyed it, would have still loved it. But the fact that he felt like this was something he needed to put out as a single, 
the music video to this is there's no there's no pop and circumstance music video to this. This is just, you know, again, more him performing with different various images, um, you know, similar to a cult of personality. There's no, you know, he didn't need that with this song. And I just absolutely love this song. It's one of my all time favorite songs in general, not just Michael Jackson, not just 80s, but in my life. And so love the song. Wasn't sure which Michael song was going to be number one, but when I really think about it, like, I think overall, this is my favorite Michael Jackson song because you have the added message in a song that's also just catchy and fun and has the na-na-na-na-na-na, like, it's, you can also sing along to it as well. This is a song you can play for your kids and, like, not feel bad about, not, this isn't a, it's not a negative influence, this isn't a song that you're like, wait, what did they just say? Should I really play this for my kids? Like, this song is just wholesome through and through, and I think there's something special about that. I don't always want that, I'm not always in that mood, but when I am, this is the one that satiates that for me. Wow. That's great, Scott. Well, well broken down. I'd say, like, if I have anything from talking here, it makes me realize how much uh, the album Bad shows off really just a range uh, in Michael Jackson. That 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 kind of ability to to touch on to, to kind of transform himself into a performance uh you know thriller is a great album off the wall a great album but a lot of them still lean in that in that world of pop uh yep. whereas here yep. you have that ability to lean into a real it is a really the performance is what this song is all about and so the range what i'm talking about is his performance his range can be from that anguished anger in dirty diana to that kind of sinister, uh, you know, brooding in smooth criminal to the pop, the, the, the just like aggression and bad, but it's still poppy to something like this that is just impassioned and pleading, but also hopeful, uh, with man in the mirror. And it's, there's a genuineness in his voice, in his performance in each of those that probably is most powerful in this song. Like you said, I could see why, uh, you would push hard for it in a bracket, like seeing them because it's a, it's one of those kind of peel back the curtain and just how does the artist honestly feel? He's not putting on a show here. This is uh, that, that's what this song is about. And it, and it works because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's, I, I didn't feel great about having Michael be in three of my top four spots, but again, these are just three of my absolute favorite songs by him. And they just all happen to be singles in 1988. Like there's nothing I can do about that. Like, what are the producers thinking when they're putting together that record? And they're like, but wait, then this, then you want this song? Like, right. and then like, like we're going for, wait, what are we doing? Like, it, it seems, I can imagine, I'd love to read about it. Jeez. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things, again, where there's so much content out there about Thriller, right? The making of Thriller and, you know, the Quincy Jones of it all and, and all of that. There's And there's, there's stuff out there on Bad as well. But yeah, there's just such a... It really is interesting to think about the the thought process behind, right? What goes into that? Like, well, we've got all these great songs. Any song Michael ever made pretty much could be a single, but it's like that selection process and the order of selection. And when do we mm -hmm. want to put out something like Dirty Diana? Then we want to put out something like Smooth Criminal. And then we put out something like Man in the Mirror, which are three completely different sounding songs. Yeah. Like from one album and we're putting them all out in the same year. Like it, th th it's ridiculous to me. Like you, you're lucky if you get one song off of an album these days that's good but the fact that you get you know not only just these three but obviously there's there's others as well on the album in 87 you get bad you get the way you make me feel so like the fact that you get all of these from one album to me is ridiculous so 
This time you are muted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's the, your number one sweet child of mine, my number one man in the mirror, just to, you know, again, the depth of of the year of 1988 is is really on full display here. Uh, let's get into some honorable mentions. Um, I only had a few. Like I said, I had Poison. Um, anything they put out in 1988, I had Bobby Brown, my prerogative. Um, and then my only other honorable mention because I want to give you some time because I I know that your your long list was <laughs> long, so I want I want to give you the chance. My only other one was uh by a band called Boy Meets Girl, and the song is Waiting for a Star to Fall, which is a oh, wow. just. This, Really, sort of cool, um, you know, rock female fronted rock song uh, from the year that I've always thought was kind of underrated. All right, I'm not I'm not so familiar. With it. Yeah, just okay. kind of a rock set sort of you know type of of feel to it. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, I had a big list I was going from and. Uh, you mentioned my prerogative. That was a tough one to leave off. I love that song. Uh, In Excess off of Kick had probably my favorite ballad of theirs and one of my favorite songs. It's an absolutely gorgeous song. Uh, the Naked Can Never Tear Us Apart yep. uh, by In Excess, which is a wonderful string accompaniment to it. And there's a heartfelt performance from from Michael, Michael Hutchins. Uh, none of us went with Robert Palmer's Simply Irresistible, which is a song yeah. <laughs> that... Paired with a video, like just is it, it, you know, it works and it's, it's another one that shows up in movies and. Oh yeah. Not quite, not quite the heavy hitter of some of these other tracks to me. Uh, yeah. College radio Morrissey had his first real big sing, uh, single as a solo artist, which was every day is like Sunday. And that's a, it's a haunting, haunting performance and track. Uh, that was a tough one to leave off. And I had also, uh, Young Will Smith released D- Parents Just Don't Understand, a heavy yeah. rotation on MTV, but also like a rap that we that a rap that was accessible to a younger crowd and very and very funny and 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 was uh was one that I really enjoyed back then. Uh the other thing I had, I guess, off of uh I've mentioned REM a couple times. Stand was their big hit, but I think that gets released in 89 off of Green. The song for me, though, of theirs off of uh, off of Green was their second single, which is Orange Crush, uh, and is a like haunting lyric from Michael Stipe uh, and performance over like a really, really, uh, really strong guitar, not the mandolin or like stringy stuff you had heard on their earlier. It's 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 really showing that they can uh, stretch their like kind of rock muscles, and it's uh, it's a it's a perfect perfect kickoff to I think it's side two track one. It's one of those great like lead tracks on on an album. So Orange Crush, and that's oh we gotta throw in one. My other one was one. We gotta have one monster ballad for the hair metal guys. Cinderella in '88 release. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Yes, you know. <laughs> so if you're watching the watching the infomercials at night and they're scrolling through the songs, that you'll hear you'll hear the chorus of that, and it's a really good song from 1988. But I think. Uh, we're starting to see that the tail end of those more hair metal bands as now Guns N' Roses is showing, Hey, you guys like uh, lose the makeup. Let's rock a little harder. And that starts taking over as we move into the late eighties and especially into the nineties. Yeah, no, I did. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of the last (laughs) sort of, 
last of the Mohicans of, of that of that yeah. genre, po- right? Poison Poison and Cinderella holding holding down the fort to, <laughs> until they come until Nirvana um, comes for us in two years. Yeah, I guess the uh, the other thing to talk about, and we we talked about this offline, um, is NWA, right? Big oh, yeah. big year, big year for NWA. Um, you know, straight out of Compton, f the police. Um, you know, in 1988, which is, they're so important. Like, I, you know, now that we're, you know, hip hop's, you know, celebrated its, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, every, you know, it's, it's 50th anniversary or it's 40th, like, depending right. on when you, you know, but now that we have all of this hip hop content, you can go back and say, like, maybe these songs aren't the greatest hip hop songs ever. Cause it's very early and easy. E maybe is not the best like rapper. Right. It's, but these songs at, at that time were so important. I mean, so yeah. important to the genre. There is no, there's probably rap doesn't survive. I would say most likely without NWA um, in 1988 and straight out of Compton and F the police, a song that obviously like, again, is a song that still has meaning today, unfortunately, and it's still relevant. And if an artist today put out the song, the things they were talking about in 1988, still a lot of that still holds true, um, you know, mm-hmm. for unfortunate reasons. But I mean, just the real songs with political messages, you know, we talked about, you know, Living Color, you know, kind of had some of their stuff in their song, but this was, you know, we're entering a decade now, the 90s, that's just all about rebelliousness and, you know, all about anti-establishment and, you know, we're yeah. going to go against the system. And, and this is sort of a catalyst for that, what NWA was doing kicking in 1988. Off, yeah. It was Showing really kicking it can be done, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just really important to rap. I mean, you get Ice Cube. You talk about, you know, a new addition with their spinoffs, NWA, you get Ice Cube and you get Dr. Dre, which leads us to The Chronic and, and like it's you know, the rest is history. And so this really yep. is, you know, kicks all of that off. And so as the episodes continue to go, I'm excited to get into more hip hop. It's, it's adding an entire new genre to this podcast, right? Where it's like, yeah. there hasn't been too much to dip into so far in the hip hop well. And now getting into the nineties, we're going to have a lot of that to get into. So, um, but need to give, as the kids would say, give NWA their flowers for what they were doing in, in 1988. So that's, I guess, a big honorable mention overall. The songs aren't necessarily my favorite, but, you know, they need to be, they need to be talked about. So. And one other, so one other, yeah, I think you're great with, with NWA, absolutely important part of the conversation. Glad we have it. Uh, I had another track that lost off my list. And I was glad that I found this in. Because I had UB40's Red Red Wine up here for oh, a long yeah. time, and I am not a UB40 fan. I do not appreciate <laughs> their 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 efforts in just like kind of cheap covers of song, cheap reggae-ish covers of songs, and yeah. how they've stretched that out into decades of a career. <laughs> it's kind of deepening to that. But Red Red Wine is a great song. I found out it was released in '83, so that's why. If anybody's out there screaming, "How could you leave off Red Red Wine? It was on the charts that year." <laughs> It was released in '83. <laughs> That's why we don't have. It. Yeah, yeah, I I did see that. Yeah, when I was starting to compile a list, it's like it's on there. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I I mean, it's a good song. It's a little bit overplayed for me, but yeah, I mean, I do like the song. But yeah, you're right. It, it definitely came out earlier. So don't 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 no hate mail for me or John. Uh, we did our research, and it's not eligible. So yeah, um, that's it, man. Um, that that's. 
thank you, of course, again for coming back on. It's always a pleasure to have you. I want to give you the floor to, you know, give any final thoughts about, you know, just the year in general or, you know, anything else. Yeah, listen, 88, uh, like I said, a real formative year for me in watching MTV and getting to know all of these different genres of music outside of just what I would listen to on on classic rock or the, the Beatles records at home. Uh, really, really expanding. We had an election that year, so the result, like my first time actually learning about, about like politics and elections. So I think this is why it's a it's an important year for me. Check it out. Check out the st- the stuff you've heard in these tracks. Check out the other artists uh, we've mentioned here. Uh, I think if you if you're not as familiar with them, go deeper. There's there's really really great stuff. Uh, and enjoy. I look forward to what you guys have for '89. Because I imagine I got a couple predictions of what could be there. So <laughs> looking forward to seeing what you guys pull together. Yeah, same. Um, I'm excited to get into '89. It's the year of my birth, so it's like these songs hold even a little bit more, um, you know, mm-hmm. to me than 1989 songs. But I'm also just excited to break into the '90s too. It's just such a different decade, so I'm really excited okay. to. To, to get into the early 90s and then watch as things change with grunge and, and move into hip-hop and the East Coast, West Coast, and just so many different things, and then into boy bands and at the end of the 90s. like oh, so I'm, Yeah, it's, it's going to be a really exciting decade, so thank you to everyone for listening and continuing to listen and for your support. Um, that's why I keep doing it. It's not just because I love to hear myself talk and listen to other people talk. It's because feedback has been great, so thank you everyone for listening. Um, of course, you can find this on the, the Place to Be Nation pop feed. Shout out to the Place to Be Nation, the North-South Connection, and everything those guys are putting out. Please go listen to all of their content. Um, you can hear John do different things sometimes, and he'll pop up on a on a making Mount Rushmore or whatever. So, you know, there's there's plenty of, uh, of content out there. If you're a fan of this and you want to be on the show, please reach out to me. I have all of my slots open currently from 89 on. So if there's a year that's yours, if you're like, hey... 1993 that's my year let me know and i'll get you on and we can have a good time so uh until next time thank you for listening for 1988 and we'll see you in 1989